Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us for the Pharmacy Leadership Podcast. Our discussion for this podcast series focuses on leadership topics within pharmacy practice, including the business of pharmacy, development of leadership skills, and career transitions and more. My name is Stacey Dalpass, Clinical Pharmacy Outcomes Manager for Novant Health, and I'll be your host today for the Pharmacy Leadership Podcast. With me today are Micaiah Kastner, Director of Pharmacy Population Health for the Alina Health Group, and Magali rodriguez Bittner, Associate Dean for Clinical Services and Practice Transformation at the University of Maryland School of Pharmacy. Our guests today share interests in public health. Thanks for joining us today, Micaiah and Magali. Let's get started talking about today's topic, leveraging outcomes data and developing relationships with payers. This is part of a two-part series, and we will be focusing on developing relationships with payers. Be sure to check out the other part of this podcast, which focuses on leveraging outcomes data for discussions with payers. So to get us started, Micaiah, can you describe the various relationships that your health system and or pharmacy has with payers that affect pharmacy service lines? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I work for Alina Health, which is a really big health system across Minnesota and Wisconsin. And so we have pharmacists um, across the continuum of care, really, and different avenues that we partner with payers. I work most closely with our 12 medication therapy management pharmacists who are integrated into primary care. And even within that group, we have a mix of ways um, that we're connecting with payers. So one of the big ways that we uh, partner with them is by being a part of our complex case management team. Team. Um, and so this is a group of nurses, social workers, pharmacists, and then care guides who are kind of like uh, health coaches. And we put our arms around those really high risk patients who were worried about going back into the hospital or having a to- high total cost of care uh, and partner with our payers through value-based contracts. And so the pharmacists have been a really integral way of helping to reduce the total cost of care, uh, meet our performance indicators with those payers, and really move the value value-based value stream forward. So that's been pretty exciting. Through those partnerships, we've also been able to bring on a population health pharmacist to start looking at things like HEDIST and STAR measures. And we have a really cool partnership there with one of our payers as well. And then on the flip side, we also still have fee-for-service contracts with payers. So uh, we're living with one foot in each world, as I know so many people are right now. Fantastic. Thanks for sharing. Uh, Magali, similar question. Can you describe any of the various relationships that you've seen between health systems and payers that affect pharmacy service lines? Yeah, Stacey, thank you for having me in this podcast. I'm really excited to share with you our model, which is a little bit different than when you just heard described in the sense that a lot of our pharmacists are actually from the School of Pharmacy, and we have a unique relationship with our University of Maryland system in which we provide a pharmacist to provide services with their their population health. And so in a particular model, we have pharmacists that provide services to population health programs, one of which is called the Quality Care Network. So very similar to what you heard, our pharmacists are embedded in really working with complex patients, but providing really support directly to those physician practices that are part of that quality care network. 
that quality care network is really a value-based contracts that this network of primary cares in Maryland joined together to leverage these value-based contracts. We have about 300 physicians and a um, couple hundred practices that are part of this. And within that quality care network, we have relationship with payers based on outcomes. So some of those payers are, you know, your typical Aetna, United, Medicaid, Medicare, uh, where pharmacists, again, working through physician referrals or those complex patients will work with them to attain certain quality metrics and then get, you know, performance payments for those. Um, in addition to that, that same cohort of pharmacists, we served in Maryland what is called the Maryland Primary Care Program. And that is a unique program in Maryland because it's for Medicare fee-for-service patients. There is a part of the Innovation Center of CMMI where practices could also participate in that program in kind of a value-based performance payment but with case management fees. And our pharmacists then provide the same support system, a lot of comprehensive medication therapy management, a lot of complex cases, working with a case manager or a transition team that supports these patients, including a, uh, social workers, including um, a lot of other nurses and support staff to really provide support to those patients. So in there, we have, again, Medicare, fee-for-service, and we had Medicaid. And I think something unique that we also provide, when you talk about payers, it also triggers in my mind self um, insure employers who also are payers, all right? And so one of the things that we do for the University of Maryland system is that we also provide services for their employees and their beneficiaries. So we do have a cardiovascular program where we provide diabetes, hypertension, high cholesterol, and in many cases, posemite uh, management for those patients that are the employees. Fantastic. Thank you both for sharing uh, a little bit about your background and the practices that you've seen. Mikaya, being involved in population health, I can imagine there has been an evolution of how Alina and payers have needed to engage to create models that enable patient care, but also cost effectiveness and meeting provider and payer goals. Can you talk a little bit about your health system's engagement with payers? And also, maybe later on, we can talk a little bit about barriers to the optimal relationships with payers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So this has been a journey for us. Um, we started back in 2011 with just one pharmacist, and it really started as a pilot program to see could we integrate a pharmacist into our clinics? Could we integrate a pharmacist into our care management teams? And then could we show outcomes? So not only that the patients are healthier, but that they also, um, it costs less to take care of them when we have a pharmacist involved. And so with that one pharmacist, we were able to show just that. So we reduced total cost of care by about $2,000 per patient when they saw the pharmacist, and then also reduced hospital admissions by around 12% and ED visits by 10%. So really, really great outcomes that we could then take and share with payers as we were starting to meet for value-based discussions. And having a pharmacist on the team became kind of a unique thing that we could offer above and beyond um, what others could. 
So our health system is a strong believer in population health. We have big strategies around that. We're moving forward and not looking back, which is so exciting because I think it allows us to do the right thing, even when sometimes fee-for-service finances aren't there. Um, And so we've been able to grow our MTM program a lot faster than I think we would have been able to do in a fee-for-service only model. And so, you know, we, one barrier I think uh, that I see that we've come across with different payers is just the amount of reporting and data (laughs) that comes up and is needed, and even just how to send that data and receive that data and have the payer be able to submit that to CMS. Sometimes that comes up to be a big barrier um, and sometimes a reason that we can't partner together, which is so unfortunate because it's great to have our pharmacists embedded in the clinics, working right next to your physician um, as a patient and have that continuity. And so, However, we can figure out reporting and data with our payers, I think is gonna be a big win for patients going forward. The other thing is just moving towards more value-based contracts so we can continue that growth stream. Um, I think we are slowly starting to build those relationships with more and more payers in our state, um, but we still have a few where we just can't get MTM services to their patients either because we can't partner as a fee-for-service or a value stream or value-based contract. So hoping to be able to arrange something with those payers so we can continue to expand the service. I can certainly appreciate some of the challenges with not only procuring data, but then optimally sharing it um, in a way that speaks to the outcomes they need to see, the pieces of data that they monitor, and I'm sure that each payer could have some differences there. Yeah. Absolutely. I think you nailed it. Consistency is a big thing. You know, if we can accept um, reports from them and send ports, reports out to them in a consistent manner, that's going to make a huge difference as, as MTM grows throughout the U.S. Yeah. Shifting gears a little bit, Magali, you have recently been involved in finding some representatives from payers in your state uh, to collaborate with pharmacists, particularly in uh, clinical practice settings. How do you go about finding representatives from payers in your state who are willing to collaborate with pharmacists to discuss opportunities to enhance uh, reimbursement practices and also relationships? Yes, Stacey, um, you're right. I mean, uh, sometimes that is not an easy task, right? Finding representatives may be easier, but finding the right person. I think that part of the challenge is when you're trying to reach the, the decision makers that right within those payers, that's where it gets a little bit more complicated because you may not be able to know what department or who exactly it is. So the way that we really have attempted to do is through relationships of people that we know. So we have really engaged, um, in a particular case here in Maryland, we engaged some of the, you know, representatives of these insurance companies and these payers that participate as part of the legislative session. So we did a lot of the lobbyists and a lot of individuals that we knew through our relationship to the government to see if they could actually identify it and help us get to the right person. So I would say that for pharmacists or health systems or anyone that is looking, it's really looking at who do you know that knows somebody (laughs) within those uh, payers to get you to the right 
audience because again what we struggled um, a little bit was that we started doing the survey and we started talking to some of representatives of payers but they may not be the person that makes those decisions so we're learning that again maybe study with whoever you know and that person could guide you to the right person certainly a great way to network Similarly, what do you wish you would have known when you started collaborating with payers, maybe on your most recent legislative effort, since that was um, successful in the state of Maryland in, in the fashion of uh, working towards provider status? Curious about some things that you would have liked to know when you started. Um, maybe it wasn't that I didn't know, but it, what surprised me the most, Stacey, was the lack of understanding of what a pharmacist does, and definitely a lot of a lack of understanding what is medication therapy management. I mean, I am talking about the simplest of 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 description. Still, they were not able to understand what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean by medication therapy management? What is the pharmacist going to do? What is the role? And unfortunately, they always default to the knowledge that they have of pharmacists, which is all about the products, right, about dispensing, and really not conceptualizing how the pharmacist could be embedded, working side by side with the physician and being able to alter outcomes. The second thing that they always ask was outcomes, right, where's the data? How, what information do you have? What outcomes do you have to demonstrate to us if we do engage pharmacists, if we do allow pharmacists to be part of the services that our uh, insurance or our health plan provides, what is our expected outcome? Not only clinical, but economic outcomes. And while we do have in pharmacy data, I could provide some of the data that we have, the consistencies, the right, and the standardization of the process always came into play. How is this provided? Is it the standard way to do it? Um, you know, uh, what about how you collect information, how you share the information? We just talked about that. How will we get the results? So, so some, some issues around data, some issues about outcomes, and really the operational part of getting this done. Oh, that is surprising. I am so glad that we had the chance to talk about that one. Yeah. Um, you have both shared a lot of perspectives on this topic where do you think payer and health system relationships are going maybe in the next one to two years? And where do health system leaders need to be focusing our assets and personnel to help ensure that we are key contributors to patient outcome goals, as well as fiscal responsibility? Maybe we'll start with you, Magali. Okay. So definitely, I... I share what Michaela said about value-based. I mean, I think there's what the future is, is really creating this relationship with payers and these contracts around value-based. What is it that, um, and really maybe even more in resharing, more than, I think that now in many of these value-based contracts, 
is being, um, you know, a payment for case management or an upfront payment. I think as we're moving forward, it might be more and more the health systems and these physician practices really taking risk and will not get those payments or those performance unless you achieve these metrics that you agree with. So I think value base is, is really where a lot of what we're going to see really come into play. I am an optimist, so I really think that you're going to start seeing more attention being paid to the pharmacist and what the pharmacist can contribute to that whole overall contract and, and achieving those outcomes. So I see that in one or two years, health system really got to get their pharmacy team organized, ready to go, and really develop a consistent model that they can sustain, not only in the ambulatory care clinics, but also in some of these physician practices that many health systems own. So I think that that's going to be really, really important, uh, paying attention to value base. And in terms of the leaders, the leaders in a health system, particularly the pharmacy leaders, they really got to get the message to the C-suite. I think that is really important that the decision makers within the health systems understand what the model is, they understand the outcomes, they understand the data, and they really can conceptualize as they're putting these packages together for these value-based contracts that they speak of this whole team that does include the pharmacist. Because unfortunately, even if they're seeing outcomes, I find that if we're not at the table, I mean, pharmacy gets forgotten in terms of who is these core teams, all right, that is going to be uh, part of this value base. So I, I really think that's where we're heading. And so we need to really find our place and, and, and get ourselves truly integrated within those population health and value-based models. That's a great, great point. You know, the business model for pharmacy, if it's going to be changing, we certainly need to make sure that we have our C-suites aligned and that we're all speaking the same language. Mm -hmm. Makaya, what other things are we missing? Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that answer. That is perfect. I think one other thing, not to belabor the point on outcomes and data, since there's going to be a whole other podcast on that, but I, I think it's it's so important and it's why we keep bringing it up over and over again. So having um, your informatics pharmacists, if you have one or can get one, or your reporting teams within your health system, start to look at ways that they can support you in presenting those outcomes and sharing that story to C-suite, uh, to payers, that is going to be just essential. Um, a couple years ago, we were able to build an MTM dashboard where we can both monitor our day-to-day -day work, how many patients we're seeing, availability to our patients, and those types of things, but also able to share our outcomes, uh, clinical outcomes, readmission rates, those types of items. And that that's just been really key in being able to share that with our payer partners um, to apply a dollar amounts to the interventions that we're making um, and to be able to show the value of the pharmacist. So I don't think you can go wrong investing in data and reporting infrastructure as we start uh, looking forward to more and more value-based contracting. 
Stacy, can I add a point um, also that I think is important for us not to forget is that many of our health systems are self-insured and there's so much opportunity for pharmacy to really make a difference there because I think this whole sector of, of self-insured employers that are a great you know, opportunity for pharmacists to, to intervene, to really help save a lot of dollars for our health system and really be visible, I think it's a great opportunity. So don't forget, look at your health system. If they are self-insured, then develop a proposal, develop a program for pharmacists to be able to do pharmacists, you know, manage uh, disease tape programs and, and comprehensive medication therapy management. Agreed. When we're talking about places to start, that's usually the relationship with a payer that might be the closest to home. That is cool. Much appreciated. <laughs> um, as our final question or fin final piece of information to ponder, as a profession, there is a lot of continued progress in advocacy needed with both health systems and state associations. Starting with uh, Micaiah, what strategies have you found helpful when engaging payers and particularly health systems and state associations? Yeah, so one kind of unique thing we have in Minnesota is a collaborative called HAME, uh, which stands for Health Systems Alliance for Integrated Medication Management. And it is all the leaders of MTM programs that are integrated within health systems. And we get together once a month to promote uh, MTM services in our state and nationwide uh, to share best practices um, and to talk about how we might approach new payers in the state uh, and kind of learn from each other. I think this has been really helpful because we're able, we're able to speak the same language. So talking about <laughs> reporting and structure and um, keeping things consistent. When we go in and we talk to payers, we're able to ask for the same things, you know, make sure our reporting is all consistent, make sure that the service that we're delivering in Minnesota, when, it, when we say MTM, means the same thing across all of our systems. Uh, so that's just been a really essential group for, for us to have in the state and also to move things nationally. You know, we're, we're able to amplify our voice when we all come together um, and put our backing behind something. And so I've really appreciated being able to be a part of the HAME group um, and would encourage if your state doesn't have one to think about pulling together a team like that. Things move a lot faster when we work together as pharmacists. So whether that's within one of your state uh, associations or outside of it, like we've pulled together, I just think that's invaluable help uh, to move things forward. Definitely agree. Magali, I knew that you have been involved in some activities to bring payers and state associations closer together. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the strategies that you've found effective? Yes, in Maryland, we are lucky enough to have something that is called the Maryland Pharmacy Coalition. And what that is really is a, is a group of all the pharmacy organizations in the state, plus also the schools of pharmacy. So through that group, one of the things we've been able to do is to develop a cohesive and consistent agenda, particularly as it relates to advocacy and legislative uh, changes that we want in the state. So part of being, you know, a member of the Maryland Pharmacy Coalition really allows us to have a very uh, definite, you know, agenda and really bring the right um, 
you know, members and the right players to the table. So to me, I think that one of the things that is important and maybe the message that we want to bring uh, through this podcast is that health systems leaders may want to think about how they get in touch with the pharmacy organizations in their state and how to be active, that right, within those organizations. And in our case, you know, we have many of the Maryland Pharmacy Coalition members are part of the health systems, but we also have community pharmacy representatives. We have literally all the sectors, independent pharmacy. And so remember that many of these pharmacy organizations are the ones that really get called maybe from a payer. They may be called by legislators because they may know the organizations more than the leaders of the health systems. So being in touch with them, collaborating with them is a great way to stay up to date about what's happening in the state, what are the needs, who are the players, right? Who are the payers that are looking for new innovative models. So again, you know, being members of the pharmacy organization, I think critical, you know, being at the table, you know, get information, I think is really, really important. Well, I wanna thank both of you, Makaya and Magali for joining me today to discuss relationships with payers. If you are listening and enjoyed this podcast, you can find more member-exclusive content, including resources for self-development, leading pharmacy enterprises, and teams and practice management on the ASHP website. Thank you for joining us, and be sure to subscribe to the at ASHP Official podcast. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.